Hello and welcome to the Life Vineyard Church podcast. In this episode, Tom brings part two of the Come Holy Spirit series, where he shares how we as followers of Jesus can access the fullness of God's power. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, Great to be here. I would normally find myself at Marley Hill, so it's always fun to be here. I want to start this morning by giving you all a little pat on the back, and I want to highlight something that I think we do really well as a church, one of the many things we do well, and that is welcome. Uh, This year will mark 10 years since my wife Hannah and I first came to Life Vineyard Church. I don't know if we get a golden clock or something or (laughs) a golden donut, and um, it was the welcome that that brought us back. It was the welcome on the door that that we got. Uh, We came, and then we came about a month later, and the two It was the same people on the door and they remembered our names and it sounds really uh, simple but it made such a big deal to us and again and again we hear new people say they were just really blown away by the welcome uh, that they got. So what I'm doing here is I'm buttering you up because I'm also about to say something else and that is we would love you once again this year to make an effort to come on time to church in the morning. See what I've done there? I've just like made you all feel really good about yourselves. Uh, So one of the best... January always brings new people. Don't know what it is, don't know if it's Christmas, they sort of think about faith, or they just, whatever it is, we always get new people, and that's so exciting. And what we want to do is be able to offer those people the best welcome. When they come in the door, it's great if this place has got a buzz, there's people there to say hello. So please make your best effort to join with us at 10.20. Coffee is available, so you can get your caffeine hit. And also, if you've got kids as well, the guys that lead the kids groups, they will pre- prepare all week for their session. And again, it's just, if there's kids sort of arriving at 22, quarter two, it just makes things difficult for them. So we really want to honour our kids' leaders as well. So I'm sorry for, for that. I butted you up. But uh, uh, we would love, uh, every now and again, we just drop this little reminder in, and then we all, next week, you're all here at 9.55. <laughs> and that'd be great. So, yeah. That's never happened, so yeah. Uh, So I want to start, my proper start, with a question this morning, and that is this. Have you ever had a moment where you find out you had been living in a way or doing something that you didn't actually need to do? Maybe you realized your phone could do something that you didn't know it could do. Uh, Maybe you realized that there was a faster way to get to work. Maybe you watched one of those dreadful 10 best life hacks videos on Facebook or something like that. I had a moment last winter where I discovered that I could turn on the heaters in my car from my phone. And so no longer did I have to go out with my ice scraper in the winter, in the freezing cold, and get that awful thin ice that doesn't come off with the scraper. I could, whilst eating my Cheerios, turn the heaters on, and then I could find a nice de-iced car for me when I got out there. There was a a much more uh, famous and much more serious example of this, you may well have heard of it, of a Japanese soldier in World War II who had been stationed in the Philippines. And when he saw a leaflet that Japan had surrendered, he didn't believe the leaflet. And for 29 years, he continued to hold out in a jungle in the Philippines, thinking the war was still on, waiting for instructions to come through. He was living in a way that did not match uh, reality. So I want you to keep that idea in your heads as we progress through this morning. And we're going to look at a really famous passage in the Gospel of Luke. Now Luke, of course, wrote the Gospel of Luke. And he tells us that it is a Gospel of a historical narrative. And he also wrote the book of Acts. And if you could, you could basically view Luke and Acts as part 
one and part two. If Luke is Star Wars, then Acts is the Empire Strikes Back. This is a continuing, that's for you, Ben, historical narrative that Luke paints. You can, write, you can see these books as, as one book, and Luke writes more than any writer in the whole of the New Testament, even more than Paul, which is surprising when you think about it. But in writing both Luke, his gospel, and Acts, Luke went to great lengths to structure them in similar ways. There's a beginning narrative, an inauguration narrative. The Holy Spirit is poured out. There's, there's miracles, signs and wonders. There's opposition. There's travel narrative and a trial narrative. Even within Acts itself, he often tells the story of Paul's journeys in the same way with different events that happen in each journey. Again and again, Luke structures things in such a way that we need to pay attention to these kingdom patterns at work because they are important for us. There's a Pentecostal theologian called Roger Stronstad, and he says this, in Luke's gospel, Luke is showing us that Jesus was the spirit-anointed, spirit-full, spirit-led, and spirit-empowered prophet that the whole of the Old Testament had been pointing to. He is the culmination, the consummation, and the realization of God's story of redemption. He was the true prophet, the true priest, and the true king. All roles that were given to Adam, that they messed up, and Jesus comes, and he perfects them all. So this famous passage is in Luke 4, and he writes about how Jesus stands up in the temple and famously reads the words that Isaiah had written and says that he himself had fulfilled that ancient scripture. So I'll read it to us, and it will come up on the screen. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recording of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What, what a moment. He rolls up the scroll and he hands it back and he sits down. You probably could hear a pin drop. Uh, I guess rolling up a scroll was an ancient mic drop. <laughs> Just took a, little, took a little longer. So this moment shows us that Jesus understood his position as the anointed prophetic Messiah. And he also understood his anointed prophetic messianic mission. He had come to minister to the downtrodden, the forgotten, the broken, the lost, the sinful, the captive, the widow, the homeless, the lonely, the sinful, the sick, the orphan, the demonized, the poor. That was his mission. And Luke doesn't stop there, though, because he doesn't just show us that Jesus was the anointed servant prophet that Isaiah was talking about. He also shows us, among many other similarities with the Old Testament, that he was a charismatic prophet like Elijah and Elisha. And again, there's so many parallels that we can read in their lives. As the Spirit empowered Elisha to heal Naaman the leper, so too Jesus healed lepers. Elisha and Elijah miraculously controlled water, and so did Jesus, even with the weather and the wind obeying him. Elijah and Elisha miraculously multiplied food, so did Jesus, feeding thousands, and so too did Elisha and Elijah raise the dead 
and Jesus raised the dead, and he himself was raised from the dead. And there's so many of these similarities we can draw. Moses is another big one. But there's actually one more parallel with Elijah and Elisha that I want to draw from this passage. You see, all through this, Luke wants us to understand that Jesus, across his entire ministry, in everything he did, was filled by the Spirit. It's so easy to see Jesus as, okay, well, it was easy for him because he he's God. So he could do all this stuff really simply. And it's a mistake to think that because he was entirely human. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit inside of him to do what he did. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit. Again and again we read that he was full of the Holy Spirit. And that is what empowered him to do his signs, his wonders. And it's the same for us. That theologian I mentioned, Roger Stronsad, says this, Having been anointed by the Spirit, Jesus becomes the unique bearer of the Spirit and experiences the fullness of the Spirit, the leading, the empowering, the joy, and the inspiration of the Spirit. He teaches about the Spirit and he promises the Spirit to his disciples. The Spirit is transferred from the unique bearer of the Spirit to his disciples for their ministry as his heirs and successors. Jesus was empowered by the Spirit. Jesus released the Spirit into his disciples and into the church. Do you see where I'm going with this? And just as Elijah was empowered by the Spirit and his anointing was transferred to Elisha, so too Jesus was empowered and then passed on his authority and his anointing to his disciples and to the church. I love that scene in the Old Testament. It's got to be a movie where Elisha strikes the river and goes, where is the God of Elijah? And then it all sort of kicks off. It's, it's a transfer of anointing. And we stand in that inheritance from Jesus. You see, we're in a series called Come Holy Spirit. And we're looking at that ancient prayer of the church for the Holy Spirit to be poured out among us. And sometimes people say, why do we need to say come Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit is everywhere? And of course, God is everywhere. That's sort of part of his job spec. He is everywhere because he's God. But when we pray, come Holy Spirit, we're asking him to come and manifest himself to a greater extent here and now. Because we want to be transformed into his image. And a big way of that happening is us meeting him. And the Bible is full of examples of God manifesting himself to a greater extent. Moses encountered a burning bush. A pillar of fire accompanied the people of God. God appeared in a still, small voice. Pentecost, time and time again, God comes to meet with his people. And so when we pray, come Holy Spirit, we are asking him to increase around us because we know that is how we are changed. We want to be a people and a community that pray for the sick, pray for captives, pray for the demonized and set them free. But if we're going to do that, we need to understand the authority that we have been given. You see, it's all well and good knowing what you're meant to do, but if you don't understand or even believe why you have the authority to do it, the chances are you won't step into it. At the start, I mentioned that Japanese shoulder. The way he lived for 29 years didn't match the reality of what was going on. And so my question for you this morning is this. Are you living in the reality of the authority that Jesus has given you? Jesus was the anointed prophet of God who showed us how to live the perfect spirit-filled life and he says come and live like me come and follow my example 
Because sometimes as Christians, I think we live like people who have received a huge inheritance, but we're unaware of its existence, so we've never actually accessed it. We live in the now and the not yet. And when we pray, Holy Spirit, come, we are opening up ourselves to all the power of heaven to come through us into our communities, into our families, into our workplaces. This is our inheritance. This is our commission and our authority. And it's yours. And I don't care if you've only been a Christian for a couple of days or for 50 years, because it's the same. It's the same for all of us. We don't believe in kingdom superstars. We don't believe in special representatives of God on earth. We don't believe that you get to do kingdom stuff because you've earned it or gone to Bible college or know the right people. We believe that if you say yes to God, he says yes to you. If you say yes to God, he says yes to you. So whether you're the Pope, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Mother Teresa, Ben from Blythe or Tim from Chester Street, whoever you are, if you say yes to God, he will come and he will graft you into this prophetic community that he has unleashed throughout the earth. The community of all the saints, no matter what they look like or where they're from. If we say yes to having the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you, if you say yes to that effervescent, overflowing power of the Holy Spirit that flows ever forth from the Trinity, ever forth from the Trinity, if we step into that authority of being a prophetic community, who knows what God will do among us? Who knows what he will do? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom for the captives, sight for the blind, liberty for the oppressed, the proclamation of God's favor. Isn't that an incredible thing for us to pronounce? That was Jesus summarizing his program of mission and therefore it should be a summary of our mission the bible is so clear that we are heirs to the ministry of jesus john wimber who founded the vineyard said this in the vineyard we place a priority on being empowered by the holy spirit we place a priority on being empowered by the holy spirit but the spirit empowers for a purpose not just an experience we seek the active presence of the Spirit to continue Jesus' ministry. To continue Jesus' ministry. So if we're going to do the works of Jesus, if we're going to come against the work of the devil and the enemy, if we're going to break chains, set people free, if we're going to come against cancer and sickness, if we're going to come against poverty and desperation, broken families, then we need to do it in the authority of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3 famously says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And it's, it's that freedom that we want to invite people into. It's that freedom that God wants to invite you into. And a few verses earlier from that famous verse, Paul says this, Such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. What an incredible line. So I wonder if you struggle to feel sufficient. Maybe when you walk into church, you suddenly feel insufficient. Do you 
find yourself feeling inadequate. I can't do the works of Jesus. If only they knew my past, or if only they knew what I'm struggling with now. I'll just step back and let the loud people like Tom do it, or I'll just let someone else do it, because they don't know me, and they don't know what I'm like. Maybe you have those thoughts in your head. Maybe you count yourself out for all kinds of different reasons. Your sufficiency is from God. My sufficiency is from God. Our sufficiency from God, Paul says, has made us sufficient to be ministers of this new covenant. Do you want to come and be a minister of this new covenant? Do you want to be a minister of this new covenant? To step into the authority that Jesus gave to you? Do you want to see the people around you who you know are held captive set free? Do you get, if you're like me, do you get sick and tired of seeing people that you love blighted by illness or attacked by spiritual forces by the enemy? Well, I want to say this to you this morning. Maybe you're the answer to your prayers. Maybe you are the answer to your prayers. You see, you might be praying for people that they'll be healed. And what God is saying, go and lay a hand on them and pray for them yourself. You're praying for people that you know are getting attacked by the enemy or going through a really tough time. And God's saying, get alongside them yourself. Be the answer to your own prayer. Step into the authority that I have given you. Don't rely on others. Don't wait for someone else to do it. Be the answer to your prayers. That is what we see across this church so often. We don't just pray that the poor will be fed. We feed them. We don't pray that the marginalized will be clothed and given opportunities. We do it. We give them opportunities and we clothe them. And ever more, there will be opportunities for us to do that. We do it so well in the area of compassion. Can we do it more and more in the area of being spirit-filled and praying for the sick, praying for the demonized? Let's not wait for the other to do it. Let's not wait for someone else to do it. Let's step into it. So we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. It would be fairly hypocritical for me not to do that, having preached about it. And we're going to see what, what the Lord wants to do this morning among us. You know, one of, one of the great things about saying, come Holy Spirit, is that none of it's on me. You know, if I was a comedian or, a, or something, all the pressure would be on me. But none of the pressure's on me, which is great. And uh, when the, when the uh, preacher ever says, come Holy Spirit, and then there's that point where they go, right, people come forward. And then I know what it's like. You sit there like, oh, no one's going forward. I feel really bad for him. Don't feel bad. It's fine because it's not on me. It's great. And when we say come Holy Spirit, he might want to set our eyebrows on fire. He might want us to just go home early and have lunch. It's fine. Do you know what I mean? So it's really, really fine. We just want to give God the space to do what he wants to do. That's the beauty of it. So I just encourage you now just to ready yourself and just put yourself in a position of being open to, to the Lord speaking to you, to the Holy Spirit moving. And I do get a sense this morning that actually a big part of what the Holy Spirit would want to do is an empowering. And often that can be, it doesn't look very spectacular on the outside, but he wants to give you a steel inside of you that will go with you from this space. A conviction that you can be a minister of the new covenant. There's some of you, I feel like you need to write 
on a bit of paper and stick it by your bed or on your fridge. I'm a minister of the new covenant and my sufficiency is in God. Because tomorrow when your kids are making you tear your hair out or you have a bad first meeting, you will quickly forget. Because I do. And we need to plant the truth of God in our hearts. So Father, I pray for every person here that your Holy Spirit would come now And I pray that you would commission every person here afresh to be a minister of your new covenant. Lord, where there is doubt, would faith arise? Where there is insecurity, Lord, would your Holy Spirit replace it with the truth of who they are? A son and a daughter of you. Lord, we pray against the enemy's lies, against a past, any guilt that he would seek to use against us to discount ourselves, Father. And Lord, I also pray right now you would begin to bring to people's minds where can I begin to minister this week? Who are the people that I've been praying for from a distance that actually I need to go and see them? Maybe you've been thinking about giving some time to helping the poor and the broken. Well, the Holy Spirit's coming Let's, let's go further than thinking about it. Let's do it.